Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Hello, Savvy Souls. I missed you guys last week. Sadly, I was back in Saskatchewan with my two brothers. We were organizing the funeral for our uncle, Gary. As we went through my uncle's things, a pattern emerged of an intentional life, of a well-lived life. There were learnings in all of it for me, and that's what I want to share with you today. Some thoughts about living your life well at all stages of it. I want to share this with you because living intentionally is a choice you can make about your own life, a choice you can make at any time that has the capacity to alter the quality and depth of your life going forward. I want to pause and dial back a bit first. Roll back to my life 10 years ago. I was a very busy tax lawyer. All day long, I was in meetings or working with people, clients, solving problems in my office, reading through tax law. It was pretty interesting intellectually. I got to study new law and deal with challenging changes in the law. And there were a lot of puzzles I had to solve, and it was quite engaging. But I had very limited spare time. Most of my friends were work friends, and a lot of my social engagements were with my work friends and clients. Overall, you could say I was doing well. I had all the markers of success, but I didn't really love it. I didn't want to be spending all my time this way and focused on these things, but it really felt like I'd made the relevant decisions a long time ago, and now this was just it. Anyway, I had what I needed. I couldn't complain. It was all fine, except it all felt increasingly empty to me. I had a very strong professional presence. I was respected. I was a leader at my firm, but really none of those things fueled me. During that time in the midst of this busy lawyer life, I read a book called Flourishing by Martin Seligman, who's the father of psychology. He talked about how a feeling of meaning is necessary as a part of a life where you're flourishing. For me, I reflected, apart from being a mother, the activities I was devoted to every day didn't feel very meaningful to me at all. I craved freedom. I craved living. I craved having a variety of different experiences, talking to people from all walks of life, not just my own little world, having meaningful conversations about things that mattered to me, spending time in nature, exploring the beauty around me, traveling, expressing myself artistically and in writing. If you followed me at all, you'll know I left law in my early 50s to explore being an artist. 
Just because that started calling to me with such a sense of compelling urgency, I became brave enough to do it, which ultimately led me to a life where I get to experience everything I'd been craving. That doesn't mean that my life now is always easy, but it never feels empty. And I keep a sharp eye out for any new ways fear-based thinking, which all our brains want us to do, keep that fear-based thinking from containing me, even in this life I've intentionally chosen. After I'd started my new journey that had me living more freely, following the threads that were important to me, two kinds of encounters with other people made me feel really sad for them. First, I'd hear people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s who'd pretty much resigned themselves to the way life was, as if life is a solid thing, a solid physical thing that's unalterable, like a mountain. They felt, and they shared that they felt like something was missing, but they'd built boxes to contain themselves, just like I'd done. Once I'd put myself in the tax lawyer box, I thought, well, this is my life. I thought my choice had been made. I thought I could have decided when I was young something different, but now I couldn't. I didn't understand that every single day that I got up and went to the office and spent 12 or 13 hours focusing on tax, that each day was my choice. It was my choice to do that. There were certainly benefits from doing that and some good reasons for staying. And there were also benefits from not continuing to do that and from making fresh choices. It took me so long to see the whole picture, not just the benefits of doing the same thing forever, but what the benefits might be of not doing that same thing. After I finally changed course of my own life just by choosing to do so, it made me sad to encounter people who felt stuck doing what they'd always done. I remember going on a retreat and meeting a recent university graduate who shared with me that, well, now that he'd just graduated, even though he hadn't ended up liking what he'd studied, because he'd obtained a good job doing that thing, he felt stuck doing it. It's like, I chose this university course, and now I have to do this thing that I decided without enough information, I have to do that forever. Or frequently, I encounter people in their 40s or 50s who share with me that there's so many other things they wish they could do, but they just assume they can't do that until they're retired. So they tell me things like, well, I'm going to have to wait until retirement before I do all the things that I want to do and dream about doing. Interestingly, the second category of encounters with people that make me sad are the retired crowd. Now, remember, this is the stage that the first category of people have been waiting for. And yet I've encountered so many people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who feel contained and constrained by their age. They have a perception about what people their age can do and what they can't do. And that little box that they've created keeps them stuck. 
these two groups of people are pretty much always on my mind. People who feel contained and constrained by the choices they've made in the past and are waiting for retirement, a time they imagine they can really start living well, and people who've actually retired and then feel contained and constrained by what they believe people their age can or should do. This makes me sad because when you put these two pieces together, you end up with an unlived life if this is the pattern of your thinking. And I'm hoping that this won't be the pattern of your thinking. What I want for you is to live intentionally. I think that's why my Uncle Gary's life struck me as so amazing. When you go through somebody else's life's possessions, through their photos and their journals and their records and their mementos and the things that they've saved along the way, you get a pretty good feeling for what was important to them and you get a feeling for how much agency they had in orchestrating their lives and creating experiences that were important to them. So I'd like to share some things my uncle did during his 80s, because some of these things blew my mind. This is a period of life when a lot of us have pretty limited ideas about what is possible. So I want to tell you a little bit about the CN Tower in Toronto. It's the, I think somebody told me recently that it was the third tallest building in the world. I don't know if that's accurate, but anyway, it's pretty, pretty tall. It rises 89 stories above the pavement, and there's this big dome with a restaurant in it at the top, and you shoot up in an elevator to see it. So when my kids were little, we went up to the top of the CN Tower, which is a thing you do in Toronto, and there's this big glass floor where you can see all the way through the floor, all the way down to the earth. And I kind of clutched the wall as my kids jumped up and down on this floor with glee but it just made me nervous watching them. Okay. So my uncle in his eighties, he decides to do this thing called an edge walk around the exterior of the CN tower dome way up high. So what you do is, I don't know quite how this works, but you walk around on the outside and then you're suspended by a cable and you lean back just with your arms out 89 stories high. So there is a photo of him just gleefully smiling at the camera as he dangles at this height. He did that when he was in his 80s. Also, and this just came up the last week before he died, none of us knew about it. He took a skydiving course in Moose Jaw. And as he explained, no, 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 he he didn't do it tandem where he's with somebody else and they kind of control the experience. No, it was two weeks because he was learning how to do it solo, to jump out of the plane on his own and pull that parachute. He also took what was called a cowboy course. I found a certificate for it. Apparently, this involved two weeks bareback on a horse learning how to ride properly. He also explored the world. He followed his curiosity. He was open-minded. He went to Vietnam and Egypt and the Amazon. There's pictures of him with a snake curled around him and also holding a crocodile. Anyway, I won't go through all the pictures there. They're just crazy. He studied other cultures and philosophies. 
He had philosophical debates about religion with his minister. He studied psychology and took courses on mindset and intentional thinking. I was amused to see all the exercises he dutifully did to try to think more intentionally. He became good friends with his amazing 40-year-old neighbor, Holly. And I think it was this great mutual friendship where they both got a lot out of being friends with the other person so far away from their own age. My uncle took photos of flowers and nature, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, obviously a huge love of his. He recorded his thoughts about every subject under the sun, from religion to politics to finances, just absolutely everything. My uncle was definitely not a rich man. He never earned much more than minimum wage. He never had the opportunity to go to college or university or get formal schooling of any kind. But he didn't let those things hold him back. He didn't let them hold him back from learning or from experiencing new things or from creating the life he wanted. He didn't have a set of limiting beliefs about what he could or couldn't do with the resources he had. I think we all felt pretty encouraged as we took stock of my uncle's life, not just because we'd known and admired him personally, but because of all the possibilities his way of living and the decisions he made held out for us as we go on and continue to lead our lives. Savvy souls, this all has me thinking again about what a well-lived life is. I think when you come down to it, it's a life where you're intentional, where you consistently make the choices that are for you and you keep revisiting those choices. You know there are choices that are actually available to you now. You don't say, oh, I'd love to do that, but here are the thousand reasons I can't do that. Instead, you say, I'd love to do that and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to see how this can be possible for me. Savvy souls, a well-lived life is where you stay curious. You maintain a sense of adventure. You remain interested. You notice the opportunities all around you and that are available to you. And you focus on the things that matter to you and not what you should do, not on what everybody else is doing where you intentionally create the life you want. I hope this episode will serve as one last way my uncle gets to touch a few more people and inspire them to live well, as he did during his life. By the way, I think a lot of you don't see my podcast cover art. There's a different cover for every episode I do, but as far as I know, it only shows up on my website and on Spotify. If you're interested, I'd love you to go look at the photo I put on the cover this episode. It's of my uncle at age 82, dangling off the edge of the CN Tower, 89 stories high. And you can find that on Spotify and on my website at canvas dot com slash podcast. Love you guys. I hope that you will be inspired to live intentionally this week and make the choices that are available to you. Love you guys. Bye now. 
So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.